1: Hello everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves Season 4.
0: Right Tim, Season 4, Episode 3.
1: That's right. Thank you for joining us in the playoff extravaganza. We are in round 2, Tim. How was your weekend?
0: It was pretty good. It's pretty good. I didn't do much because I can't move, but um I have a window of AC in my bedroom, so I kind of just hung out and I've been bingeing TV and doing lots of reading.
1: Yeah, AC is key since it's been li- literally 90 degrees every day.
0: Yeah. It's been intense. It barely got 90 degrees all of last summer, and here we are the first week of June, and it's brutal.
1: Global warming. Who Who knew? It's a real thing. It's happening, people. Buckle up. Get your AC. I don't even have AC in the little house, so I got to get it, because it is just miserable. We just walk around all day sweating. Yeah, the Literally.
0: like all the, the people running around that house, the body, <sighs> temperatures, just driving everything up.
1: I constantly have to... I, I get... I feel sad for my girls cuz they have the longer hair and I like they're sweating. Oh
0: yeah. They have thick hair and too.
1: thick hair and so I'm constantly like just give me a hair time I'm going to put your hair up just to get it off your face and off your ears and your neck. I just feel bad for them. I really do cuz they're just sweating all day. I'm like let's go. I just turn the sprinkler on. I just all day. I'm like but don't go on that grass cuz it's new. So they have a little <laughs> section where they can run in the grass and they just have some fun. But uh, anyways, I did check. There was some hockey that was played this weekend, Tim.
0: One or two games.
1: A couple games. It, it's it's really amazing what the Montreal Canadiens are doing. It honestly is astonishing. Coming after that epic upset of Toronto, everybody thought, myself included, that they would just hit the wall. It, it's hard to keep that momentum, that emotion to the next round. You, you think you're going to fall off. That's what I thought. And the next thing I know, they win the first game. They... Going to the second game, Carey Price absolutely stands on his head. They win that game one nothing, and Connor Halbach played well also. And then they come into Sunday. You're thinking Winnipeg's going to bounce back. There's no way they can go down three nothing, and they just absolutely lay an egg. The Winnipeg Jets. You we were we were talking about this today, Tim. They were uninterested. They were not engaged and it was a complete clinic by the Montreal Canadiens like there was there was no effort whatsoever on the part of the Winnipeg Jets don't you think
0: yeah it was brutal. They were not playing like a team that were trying to get back in the series. And it started, like, really in the first period. Like I, I was watching it. It seemed like uh, Montreal just had cre- kept creating sustained offense, and they were just doing whatever they wanted, including their fourth line with Corey Perry, Ar- Almea, and uh, is it Stahl centering that line? Stahl, yeah. Yeah, they were just creating opportunity after opportunity. And they just it was like they were on the power play the whole game.
1: Well, talk about a line that's just made up of three. Well, Army is not in the same category as Stahl and Perry, but he is a veteran. He, he's been around the league for three, four, five six years now, and these guys are just thrown together right at the last minute. Stahl gets brought in. Perry gets brought in. Armia's been there a few years, and they've been such an effective line. They've been kind of your do-it-all line. Armia kills penalties. They're trusting them with really difficult defensive situations. They're not going up against opposing teams first line, but they often get the second or third line of the opposing teams. And instead of just kind of holding the fort and playing 500, they are crushing – the opposing team. Every game they go in, they win the chance battle, they win the time of possession battle, and they're winning, most importantly, the points battle. Corey Perry, once again, much like last year in Dallas, he is having an exceptional playoffs. He scored his third goal today to open the scoring for Montreal. And the guy that doesn't get any recognition is a guy I played with in Buffalo. He only got one game in Buffalo. How insane is that? Obviously, he was a part of the trade with Tyler Myers and Drew Stafford going to Winnipeg. But if this is how insane Buffalo is, I'm not going to get into it very, very long. But he's their first over first round pick, Joel Armia. I think it was 2014 or 2013. He's a first round pick, 16th overall. You think you would give the ch- kid a chance to prove himself? He played one game for Buffalo before they traded him, and now he's turned into a pretty serviceable player. He's six foot three, 210 pounds, 215 pounds. He's a big body. He can move around the ice fairly good. He's got a good set of hands on him. That's like if you're trying to make an ideal player, Joel Armia, yes, he's not as aggressive maybe as I'd like him to be, but he's a Finn. Not that that's you know, saying anything wrong, but they're typically – I don't want to say that either because there's some Finns who are pretty rough players. Joel just doesn't like playing the physical game that often. He does it sometimes, but he, he's just a good player. He does his job. You mentioned that he scored a highlight reel shorthanded goal tonight yep. that just pretty much put the game out of reach. There was 2 nothing. If Winnipeg would have, you know, cashed in on that power play, they make it 2-1. to one. Joel Armia puts him up 3-1, to one, and the game's pretty much over from that point forward. And then to add insult to injury for the Winnipeg Jets, he gets another shorthanded goal to end the game. So he finishes the game with two shorthanded goals, one assist. Corey Perry picks up a goal. This line absolutely just dominated this game.
0: I think you're going to start seeing, like, I mean, obviously Corey Perry's been playing really well. You saw what Spezza did with uh, Toronto, and I think you're going to there's a there's a trend that's going to start happening. Watch this next year, where you're going to see more and more of these types of contracts, or these veterans that aren't really they're kind of on their last legs. They're not putting up many numbers anymore, and they kind of think they don't have it anymore. And these teams take these low risk, high reward, maybe not even high reward, but medium reward. Um, deals that are super team friendly that can only really help the team it happened with Perry it's happened with Spezza there's more candidates like that I think you'll see in the coming years like Getzloff we talked about Zach Parise guys that, they don't really have much more in the tank but you forget what these guys add in terms of intangibles in terms of leadership what they bring to the locker room and come playoff time those are the guys that are that are performing you're seeing it every year now so I think we'll see more of that happening um, and I think those types of guys will also be the ones who are highly sought after at the deadline if those teams aren't in the playoff line like hey other fourth rounder for for Corey Perry. He's making league minimum. He's he's got like, you know, nine goals in the year. He's not like, he's not anything sexy. Then you watch what he does in the playoffs and he performs. So um, I I think, like I said, we will start to see that be the trend. And it'd be interesting to see like what other players kind of fit that mold. Because I think Jumbo and Marlowe are probably done. Uh, What do you think? Do you think think they're up?
1: Even Pittsburgh did it this year when they picked up Jeff Carter.
0: Great one. Yeah, He was,
1: you know, kind of a a under appreciated pickup no one really talked about it but he carried their team for a good part of that playoff run mind you was a short playoff run but he was a a go-to guy with Malkin Hurd and Crosby being keyed on he he really did drive that power play drove that second line so uh, I do see that I just don't know if there's that many impact player players out there but you like even an Eric Stahl he's having a kind of a revelationary revel how do you say that word
0: Re- Revelation.
1: Revelation. He's Renaissance. Really, Renaissance. Yeah, he's playing really well for his age. Um, I hope so because I, I think you see it. the 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 old guys do have something to offer. They really do, and I know it's nice to go into the to the playoffs with the young guns and they're gonna fly. But you know, there there is something to be said about having an old guy there who's been there, who who knows how to handle the pressure, who knows how to handle those types of situations. But it's 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 funny because Toronto had a ton of veterans. They they had that. They they thought they were missing that edge, that hard, you know, nose style of play they went out and they addressed it with Simmons and Magoshian and Felino and Thornton and all of these players. Like they checked every single box like we've beat to death many times and it still didn't work out for them. So I don't know what the answer is. You know, you try to do what you can as a GM. You go out there and you see like, okay, well, Jason Spezza worked out. Well, let's go get Joe Thornton. Joe didn't work out there. He didn't. He didn't really make an impact in the playoffs. Yes, it's a a feel-good story. He's a good player. It didn't work out. But then you look over and you see Corey Perry just lighting it up two years in a row, and it's like, well, why does Corey Perry work and Joe Thornton doesn't? Why does this guy work and why does that guy not? So it's... At the end of the day, it is it is kind of a lottery, but I, I do think there are enough positive cases for GMs to be like, "Let's go out and try this." Because you're right; most times, a team will take that salary. A team will you know won't have to give up much to get that player, and y- you can you know potentially get a very impactful player to your
0: lineup. And it's usually a one year deal, so there's really no risk at all. Yeah, if it doesn't exactly. work out, you just bench, you bench him. That's it.
1: You just bench him. You just benched his legend. Who cares? But, no, I agree. And I, I, I like to see it more often because it does give you an extra rooting kind of reason for a team. It's like, okay, they're, they're picking up this guy, uh, the Ray Bork syndrome. We want this guy to win the cup because, he, you know, he's been around the block. Everybody loves him. It would have been great if Joe Thornton would have won the cup. But now, you know, there's other guys to root for. I would love to see Corey Perry win the cup again. I, I think there's certain guys around the league. Well, who's the most sentimental guy right now? Who you think That's to win still the cup? It's it? still in it right now. Carey, Carey Price. You think so? Well, who else? that hasn't won it before? That has not won the cup before. Is there anybody on Vegas that you think or Colorado? Not really anybody. No,
0: like. they're also young.
1: They're also. Patchett. I don't. Nobody likes really. Patchett. Nobody likes patcheretti Really? Really? <laughs> nobody likes him, and I'm not just saying that because I don't like him. I truly, honestly think nobody likes patcheretti Um, Cal. I don't know Montreal Canadiens have a few. I, I'd like to see Brennan Gallagher, Eric Stahl, He's
0: one one. Shea Weber, yeah, he'd be a good one. He
1: might be the guy because I think he, you know, he's done a lot. He's a he's a big guy. He's been around the block, so I think he might be the winner among the eight teams left. Paul Stastny. No one likes Stazzy, not because they don't <laughs> like him personally, just no one knows him. Yeah, yeah. I think Shea Weber has that, you know, that, that cachet. He's a star. You know, he's the guy. He's been the guy on his team for years, and he's, you know, he got traded for PK. How great would that be if he won, took it back to PK's hometown, raised it right in front of his apartment building? I don't know. Him and Lindsey Vaughn could parade around town. be great. They're not together anymore. I know. That's what I mean. Shane and Lindsey could parade around oh. in front of PK. And PK could just cry. I like PK. I don't know why I'm saying this. <laughs> yeah. I really don't know why. Yeah, PK's up for the um,
0: the leadership award. Masterson? Yeah.
1: That's a good award. I think he should win that. He's a leader. Yeah. Who else is uh, – honestly, I don't care about that award.
0: Yeah, Curtis Gabriel and Pekka Rinne.
1: Just a couple of great NHL players. Which one doesn't belong there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of these things is not like the
1: other. <laughs> it's just like I don't even want
0: to get go down that road. It just right, doesn't. right, let's move on. Moving Boston, on. Boston Islanders. Wow,
1: what a series. Out of all four of the series, this one's the most entertaining. It has everything you want in a series.
0: Yeah, Vegas and Colorado are right there too, but yeah. This one's, this one's pretty tight.
1: But just the heated, the hatred, the the physical games. They had a couple fights last game. Everything you want is there. The Islanders eked it out. It was a good game. Boston, are you getting nervous for the Bruins?
0: I am because even though – so Islanders were a better team in game four, and to be honest, I thought the Islanders were better in game three, even though Bruins won. They got lucky with that with that goal, and I think the Islanders dominated the third period and overtime. So, yeah, I'm pretty nervous, and what's – Really kind of, I mean, it's two, to, it's two games to two. If anyone's series, the Bruins are probably the better team on paper, so they have a lot going hold for them. Hold on.
1: You can't just wash over that statement. The Bruins are not the better team on paper.
0: In terms of star talent, they're always better. In yeah. terms
1: of the first line, of course, they're, they're the better team. So, uh,
0: second, hold on, but let me get to okay. my point. The part that's making me nervous especially is the Bruins' defensive core. They were already a little suspect heading into the season, obviously, with with Char and crew gone. Kevin Miller has been in and out of the lineup. He's been He's out right now with no timetable to return. Brandon Carlo, we don't really know. These are two of the uh, – I mean, they're two right-handed defensemen. They're two veteran defensemen. Carlo is, you know, a little bit younger, but Miller's the guy. And – Without them, they have their 7th and 8th team man logging some pretty crucial minutes. Right now, that's Tenorti and Clifton. And even the 6th guy ahead of them was was Jeremy Lazon, who's now their 4th. Like He's not the guy that you want logging 20-plus minutes a night, but he is because of the situation. I did think Lazon responded well. He had a really bad Game 3. He had that turnover that led to um, yeah. an ugly goal. And then after Game 2, he was the one who's really the reason they lost Game 2. But I think he responded well, and he played really good in Game 4. So hopefully it's him turning things around a little bit I like Tenorti he plays a simple game he doesn't do much chip it off the glass and out he fought Matt Martin which is really great just gonna pump the boys up but it really does show why it's so important to go get defensive depth at the deadline we say it every year for every team guys always 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 get hurt and you think like oh they add like the Bruins they added Tenorti kind of I think before the deadline they added Mike Riley on the deadline And he didn't really think it was that big of a move. But, like, Riley's been absolutely crucial to this team. Like, imagine if they didn't get him. He's been in top four, locked in ever since he got here. And he's playing pretty well. He makes his bonehead move once in a while. You kind of realize why he's not. You're like, man, this kid's so good. Why isn't he? And then he's like, oh, he turns the puck over, you know? Yeah. But... It's just the Bruins defense is making me nervous because the Islanders know it and they're taking advantage of it.
1: Yeah, you feel bad for Charlie McAvoy.
0: Yeah, he's taking a beating.
1: He is just getting targeted. Every time he's on the ice, he plays half the game almost and the Islanders know it. So every time they see him on the ice, they're throwing it in Charlie's car. He didn't even offer me a glass of wine.
0: Would you like
1: some? I would love a glass of wine. That sounds terrific. You know, you come over to somebody's house.
0: Every time I offer you anything, you always say no.
1: And because you offer me like, do you like spicy food? You want a super spicy bag (laughs) of chips?
0: Every time you come here, I offer you (laughs) a drink. It's like, come on. Go get a a glass. I can't get one.
1: Let's just talk about Charlie McAvoy because the Islanders are, are doing this to perfection. They obviously know they have, the Bruins have one power play specialist on their team. That's Charlie McAvoy. Grizzlik, he's okay. You know, he, he can get up and down the ice. He can manage the power play. Okay, he's not a Charlie McAvoy. He's he's he can't make the same plays Charlie does. The Islanders are absolutely punishing Charlie McAvoy every every chance they get. Every shift, they throw it in his corner. They bang him. They bash him. They're sticking him after every scrum, every whistle. Excuse me. They're they're giving him the business. They're they're doing what they need to do to win this series. It, that's It's it's going to be a six or seven game series. I, I obviously overestimated when I think that the Islanders were going to win in five, but I still think the Islanders are the better team. That being said, the Bruins still have a chance. If they can buckle down, and these defensemen are playing well, That that's that's their saving grace right now. Yes, they're a little overmatched. They're still playing well. Tuca's been playing well. He's been playing great. And so if the Bruins can somehow find a couple goals in the power play it's not like the Islanders are this high octane team they won four to one two of them are empty netters so the games are still very close if the Bruins can just get a goal on the power play just tighten things up on the back end I think they can win this series just based on their first line
0: I don't think game five is a must win only because I think any of these teams could win any game you know what I mean like if even if the Islanders win I think the Bruins can easily come back and vice versa so I think it will go seven like you said
1: Yeah, I don't think I said it was going to go seven. I said uh, (laughs) the Islanders are going to win five, but I do think now it'll go to seven. Yeah. Because it's just been a fun series. It really has been. It just has further solidified everything we knew going into this series. Barry Trotz is a great coach.
0: We talked about his system. It's like they they stifle the Bruins offense. Yeah. It's impossible to get like a sustained offensive possession. And and like if it does happen, it's usually the perfection line. Like, and you're like, okay, the Bruins got something going. Oh, it's okay. This to Nakamashan. But go back and watch. Almost all of the Bruins goals have either come off a rush or on the power play or it's the perfection line. No one else is creating any sustained offense. Once in a while, Taylor Hall and Krejci will get something going, but it's like it's skated in, maybe a shot on net, maybe a turnover, maybe a dump in, puck goes right back the other way, and here, off we go.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's just Barry Trotz's system. He is a master of just eliminating. He, he'll watch tape. And he'll see the Bruins' tendencies. He's like, okay, they like to enter through the middle, kick it out. They like to curl back up, hit the third man. And he's like, okay, I'll see that. I'll shut that right down. I will give you this, and that's all you're going to have. It's like a goalie when he knows the guy likes to go top shelf. He's going to put his glove right where the top shelf is. He's like, all right, you got to shoot anywhere else but there. I'm taking that away. And that's what good goalies do. I, I, I've i played with some of the best goalies, Henrik Lundqvist. He's like, I know Johnny Taves likes to go five hole, So I'm just going to put, put my pad there, my stick there. And he's going to, you're going to have to beat me somewhere else. Somewhere where you're not comfortable beating me. There was a great shootout. It was um, Anton Hudobin versus TJ Oshie. And it was when TJ Oshie was on fire. Remember he was like just the king of the shootouts and Anton Hudobin. He knew Oshie liked to go five hole. That's all he ever did. And so Hudobin just put his glove down on the ice right where he was going to shoot it. And Oshie got so rattled, I don't even think he got a shot off. It was it was so incredible because all the top of the net was open because he literally had his glove on the ice. <laughs> and Oshie not seen just this. got so rattled. I, I don't know if he just missed the puck or he just shot in his pad or what happened, but it, w- it was one of the most mind-messing thing I've ever seen in the NHL because it was like during the regular season. It was so bizarre. But anyways, Barry Trotz does this to teams. Where he'll okay, this is this is your tendencies. I'm going to take that away. You have to beat me another way. And as of yet, Bruce Cassidy hasn't been able to figure that out because, like you said, the only chance, the only chances they get are from that. Why do they call it the perfection line?
0: Uh, because Bergeron and Marchand at 37 plus 63 equals 100. That's where it started, and then Pasta came in. But I think they were started that number, the hundred, the perfection came in before Pasta was on their line.
1: Okay. Well, they. They don't know how to play hockey those three. They're they, pretty good. They are incredible to watch and when they you could put up any five against them and they would still generate offense. They're that good. They're that comfortable with each other. Like I said last game, when Pastrnak's playing point and Charlie McAvoy's in the corner and Marshawn's ripping around, it's very very hard to defend. I'm not going to get into it again because I'm sure you've already, you know, been bored to death by from me by one one time saying it, but it's just so effective. It really, really is. But uh, gosh, Barry Trotz, he's really good. I do you. Who do you think's gonna win this series? Though it's a best of three. Who do you have?
0: I. I that's a hard question. If I'm just take your fandom outside. Yeah, objectively, I think the Islanders are showing that they're gonna win this series. Just watching the games. It's yeah. just hard. It's hard to see otherwise.
1: I could see it going seven. I do think the Islanders will win in six. But Varlamov's been playing great. They, they're just getting contribution up in the lineup. Even Clutterbuck and Martin and Sezikas, they're playing well.
0: Do you think if Varlamov loses the next game, is he out? Is it back no, to Sorokin? I, I
1: think he's solidified himself as starter for the rest of the playoffs. Unless, he, unless they win this series and he just lays an egg for the first two games.
0: Sorokin won the first
1: series. I know he did. But now Varlamov stepped in and he's kind of taken the reins. So he will finish out this series. There's no way he doesn't finish this series. But if they advance... He struggles the first game. Second game he's still struggling. Dale Yankin puts Sorokin in.
0: So I mentioned Taylor Hall. He, have you watched him at all? Because he's playing really hungry. He's playing like, I mean obviously he's going for a contract but he wants to be here. Everything he's saying here is in Boston. Everything he's saying is is how much fun he's having and how how much, you know, he likes this group of guys. He wants the, the cup. He had a fight. He fought uh, Scott Mayfield because he didn't like the way just um, the two kind of get tangled up and he said, you know what, let's go. Um which is pretty cool, I'm sure to pump the boys up. I think things I mean, just looking ahead to this summer, assigning him to a, like a, a long term deal needs to be one of their priorities. Because not only is he playing well, but I have not seen Krejci playing this confidently in almost a decade since he had like Horton and Lucic on his line. He's shooting the puck more than like really I've ever seen. Him. Maybe it's anecdotal, you know, just watching the play compared to, I don't know if the stats are backing me up there, but it just seemed like he's playing on another level in terms of his confidence, in terms of his ability to find the open net and, and you know, pass the guys that he has more confidence in as opposed to the, the de Brust of the world that he's playing with the last couple of years that just have not panned out. So I, I think the two of them have clicked on to something and I hope they make Hall a priority.
1: Well, they will, but when it comes to the Boston Bruins, what happens with Krejci? That's the tricky thing. He is a, an unrestricted free agent after this year, so if he leaves, you have room for Hall. So the money's there, but what, do you do you need to keep David Krejci in
0: order to keep Taylor Hall? But who's centering the second line? Exactly. Charlie Coyle can't do that. He's not a second-line center.
1: So you're not really losing many contracts when you're Boston. You're using Kevin Miller. You're losing Krejci.
0: The cap isn't going up. I, I, I think they signed Krejci to a team-friendly deal.
1: the money gets tricky if you're taylor hall are you willing to take another one year two year deal or are you looking to cash in because it hasn't really worked out the last few years if i'm him i want just something to solidify i i I just want some security
0: six year five mil
1: you think he's going to take five million dollars a year no way for six years no way. He just had an $8 million contract. There's no way he's going to take $5 million. That, That's my opinion. I th- I know he wants to stay in Boston. Before he signed in Buffalo, the Bruins were on his short list of teams that he wanted to go to. So he's ecstatic static to be here. He's obviously saying it. He's doing everything he can to stay in Boston. I just don't think they have the money. They're right up against the cap right now. At,
0: I'd have to do the numbers. I don't have it in front of me. They're at
1: $81 million right now. And then next year they lose Krejci, they lose Miller, they lose o- O'Reilly—not O'Reilly—they lose Riley. That adds up to around ten million bucks. You, I don't—I don't, I don't think—I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. But I don't know. I would like to see him back in Boston. He's obviously working. You need to get rid of Jake DeBrusk and his three point six seven five. Telling yeah, you right now. Yeah, he's got
0: one more year. He'll—he'll he'll be traded in the off-season. Even
1: uh, here's the thing. It's the you
0: Galchenyuk. Know. You're right. Craig Smith is there.
1: And you have such good contracts with Pasternak and Marshawn and Bergeron. Those guys all make six in the $6 million range. You know who's looking like an albatross right now is a little bit. It's Charlie Coyle. Do you do you find that he is not as effective as he was last year?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. In the last two years because he's a guy that's like he's pretty good. He makes some good plays. Once in a while, do something and be like, wow, is he talented. But it was the playoffs where he shined, and he's not doing it this year. And, and it's not really his fault necessarily, only because, again, he's not getting much talent on the, either side of him. Like, Greg uh, Nick Ritchie, he's not been as good as he was during the regular season. And Nebraska, like we said, hasn't done much of anything. So like it's kind of like, man, if you give Coyle some better wingers, I wonder what he could do. But he's not carrying a line. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from him too.
1: Yeah, the Bruins got a lot of those big bodies who just can't quite – be consistent enough to be really dangerous players well,
0: they don't play big that's the thing
1: well that is the thing you got a Jake DeBrusque who's a moose of a man and it's like use your use your size man Charlie Coyle famously got traded for Brent Burns a big part of that package I went back to Minnesota hasn't really panned out in Minnesota he, you know he's had a few glimpses that's what you like I agree he shows these little windows of
0: like gosh this kid is a good player his goal the other game, the, the first goal of the game, the breakaway. Oh, that was that pretty.
1: It's just nasty. But then he just goes in these phases. like, And it's not a, like a period. It's a week where he just disappears. Yeah. And it's like, where is Charlie Coyle? Then he turns it on. It's like, whoa, this guy's good. So I don't know. Maybe that's a coach problem. You can't motivate him. Maybe it's just a Charlie Coyle problem. Maybe he's just counting lost money. I don't know. What do you, you can't get rid of him He makes 5.25 a year No one's going to take on That contract right now So How, many, talking, more,
0: how many years left Is this thing? Five years left Oh jeez Nah
1: he's, he's signed until 25-26 Wow So he's he's locked in That's, and a, he's that's got not a, a great contract He's got a no move clause No trade clause Like he's not going anywhere
0: He's a hometown boy too He's not going to want to go anywhere
1: No So I think if you're the Bruins you, you can get creative Maybe It it will be Tough sledding To keep Taylor Hall I don't know I uh, you're just pouring himself another glass. He's giving me the eye. It's unbelievable the hospitality that we have
0: in our... I in can't our even game. move, John. Go get a glass if you I want some. I'm not going to your kitchen.
1: But anyways, so that's the Bruins game. Islanders are going to win that game. Montreal is up 3 nothing. Who saw that coming?
0: Ugh. I think the, the Edmonton Oilers, if they weren't already, have some deep, deep introspection to do.
1: Ex- honestly, it's unbelievable. Did, did we have Montreal all wrong
0: all along? Yeah, I will, yeah, everyone did.
1: You really think so? You, you, you really think that they are that good, or is the North Division just that bad?
0: Well, I know. That was, that's was that been your... your. Uh,
1: it's my thing. It's my... Right. I, I honestly think, and I, I almost posted this on Twitter, rank the final eight teams, top to bottom. Rank them all. You got Tampa Bay, you have Carolina, Boston, New York, Vegas, Colorado, Montreal, Winnipeg. Rank them all. We obviously know who number one is... Colorado, Vegas has got to be up there as well. Vegas Tampa and Tampa Bay. are the top three. So those are the top three. Where do the Islanders fit? Where do the Carolina Hurricanes fit? Where do the Bruins fit? And then Winnipeg and Montreal. Honestly, where do you put Winnipeg and Montreal in that top eight?
0: Yeah, they're they're seven and eight. You think so? Yeah, What I do.
1: What, who's the closest team in the States that would compare to them?
0: Carolina? Carolina. And Carolina's a pretty dangerous team. They're, they're a good team.
1: That's what I mean. It. It's just very striking to me. It's like, okay, there's eight teams left. The North Division, they're the, the cellar dwellers of the eight teams.
0: It makes you think, like, Pittsburgh got eliminated in the first round. Like, I think they would do, they would be beat either, either of those teams in five games.
1: They would, in my opinion, not cr- crush, but yes. That's what I meant when I said you could take a team like Chicago or a team like St. Louis, put them in the North Division, and they would do very well. They would do very well. They would easily make the playoffs. So... It's just—I don't know what it what that says. It's just—it's just a fact. I'm stating a an opinion. It's not a fact. We will see when they get to the round of four how badly Colorado or Vegas beats Montreal because it's going to be an absolute beatdown. Like it's going to be an. You epic- say
0: that, but Montreal has surprised us at every step here.
1: When you look at the rosters of the teams, okay, yeah. Montreal played Toronto. Toronto's a good team. Gary Price. Carrie Price is their one saving grace. He has been playing out of his mind. He is the world class goalie. He's out dueling Connor Hellebuck, and Connor Hellebuck's playing good by a lot. Not, but he they won one nothing in game two, so it's not by a lot. Don't give me that look. Like Connor's still a great goalie, but Carrie has definitely. He's rose to the challenge because people have said he's been done for years. He hasn't been playing that well. Oh, his contract is overrated. It's too much. They can't win with that big goaltender contract. It sounds like I've said all these things because I know I have. Yep. But he is—he's not the main reason why they're—they're they're at where they're at. But he's a really big part of it. I think the main reason why they're there is their tertiary scoring is really stepping up. Suzuki, They're getting goals from Armia, Corey Perry, Tofoli's playing well. They, they're not leaning on that first line. And they're getting constant production from across the board. That's, that's why I think they're playing really well. And their defenseman is playing really good as well. It's like they're, they're clicking. They're getting scoring. Carey Price is playing really well. But mind you, they're playing the Winnipeg Jets. They're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who knows how good these teams are? You know what I mean? It's all relative because no one knows how good these divisions are. Because they haven't played it, but maybe maybe the Western Division is terrible too. And Vegas and Colorado are just kind of all for show.
0: They're not because if I you know. watch the games, <laughs> I know. like if you just watch the games back to back, like watching Winnipeg and Montreal, then go watch the next game after. It's it's a different class of hockey. Yes,
1: there's less room. the The plays are more crisp. It's faster.
0: Faster. It's just the better. biggest thing. It yeah. honestly
1: is just better.
0: And as good as we know, Colorado is for a fact. Vegas is right up there with them. It's three to one Vegas at the end of two right now, and if they if this score holds, which and no, no lead is safe against the Avalanche, but if this score holds, it'll be two to two in the series. That's that's going to be a good one to watch.
1: What an amazing series! And this is the great thing about hockey, where the first game was seven to one. Like if you're a team, Laner, it was Laner, but Laner didn't play that bad. If you're a team and you lose the first game of the playoffs, a playoff series seven to one, you're like, oh my goodness. Then you come back and you win games three and four, and now you're tied to – it's just the beautiful thing about hockey. Any other sport, maybe baseball you can get blown out because you have a pitcher, but any sport where you consistently have the same players, like, it's just beautiful. I I think it's just a great – hockey's the greatest sport on earth because I I saw that 7-1. I was like, okay, they can bounce back. It's just one game. But it's a – that's a a touchdown. (laughs) They they threw a touchdown on the board. It's – it really is cool. But, yeah, Vegas will win this game, and then we're it's a best of three. I, I stinking love playoffs. It's so great.
0: It's so much fun. And back to the Central Division, the Lightning had a big comeback in Game 4, and they're up 3-1 to one over Carolina. Do you give Carolina any chance to come back in the series?
1: Not all the way. I, I think the fact that Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup last year, they've gained that experience. They know how to win now, and they know how to lose because they've had countless years of just heartbreak, of getting upset. They know what it takes to kind of finish a team off. And I, I don't think maybe Carolina ekes out another game. They played well the last two games, but it's fun to watch Tampa just turn it on. It's like, okay, we're down four to two. You know what? It's time to go. Well, bing, that's- bing, bing. They score four goals, and now it's six to four.
0: And even if you don't, if you shut down their top players like Kucherov, Stamkos, and Palat, like Alex Kalorn's going to score two goals on you. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like Yanni Gore's going to, you know, score an ugly goal, and all of a sudden it's a different game. Like, they just, they're just they just so good top to bottom. Well, and that's,
1: it seems to be what's what's the the trend this playoffs. The Islanders have the better team top to bottom than the Bruins. The Lightning have the better team top to bottom than the Hurricanes. But mind you, the Hurricanes have a pretty slick team. That, oh, Tuevo Teravainen. I tweeted out. It was probably the best direction pass I've ever seen. So good it was. And like I played with the Rangers, I played with teams. I played against Rick Nash and the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was their only breakout. The Columbus Blue Jackets. They would send Rick Nash. They'd wind him up and they would throw a pass up the middle, and Nash would just be gone. Like the, I, I've seen teams do it. That was a filthy, filthy tip. It was right on his tape, in stride. It was unbelievable. But anyways, going back to teams that are just well-built. Montreal, they went out. They got a bunch of good forwards this offseason. The Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche, they don't have a weakness. They they really don't. They both have star goaltenders. Not star goaltenders. I don't think Grubauer. Why is Grubauer not a star? He is a star. Why don't I think he's a star, though?
0: Uh, Because he was really bad in Washington.
1: Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, I think it's just it's still in your mind. He was a, He's a nominee for the Vezina this year.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I just... Think about uh, the
0: league in shutouts?
1: Is it a product of just Colorado being that good?
0: Maybe. Maybe. I, like, the pedigree is not the same as, like, a flurry in price. He hasn't been around as long. You know what I mean? Like, but the last two years, he's been as good as anybody.
1: Yeah, he has been really good. But I, I just think... I just don't think of him as a star goalie yet. Maybe after he wins a cup. Because, gosh, they're really close. But anyway, it's okay. So, I think... We've hit the nail on the head. You gotta have depth. You gotta have good you gotta have a good team at this point in the season. <laughs> like honestly, there's gonna be a final four here in the next week or so, and you need to have a team that's good top to bottom. You
0: gotta score more goals than the other team. The that's... Jets
1: don't have a good team top to bottom. Their defense has been exposed. I think that was the main weakness going to the trade deadline. They did not address that. Connor Hellibuck's a great player. Shifley being out is huge. Stasny missed the first couple of games. They're just they're a broken team right now they're a broken team they're not going to win this series the Avalanche and Golden Knights whoever wins then I think are going to crush Montreal then it's going to be the Islanders versus Tampa Bay which will be a very interesting series a rematch of last year I think I like the Islanders I, I'm, I'm staying with my pick you had your pick you picked the Bruins coming out of the east I believe
0: no Lightning you had
1: the Lightning do you stand by your two picks you picked the Lightning and Vex. Colorado Colorado I yeah. picked Colorado and the Islanders I think we're still we're still good we're close all right, Tim. Any other news that you want to touch on?
0: Yeah, a couple things. Yeah. Big news came out of Canada today that they are lifting the travel ban for the NHL and the restrictions. So players will not have to quarantine for two weeks, fourteen days after crossing the border. Which is, a, it's an obvious thing. It's an obvious thing. But it wasn't. But it wasn't obvious. It was super uncertain. So it's it's a, it's it's big news because it just kind of changes the whole schedule and everything. So it's a big deal, and hopefully the rest of the country follows suit because that, that's kind of the. Uh, the response on online has been like yeah obviously like now like let us <laughs> let us out of our houses you know
1: my parents haven't seen my their new grandchild yet she's almost one year old She'll be one year in a month so they, they, they can't come across the border so hopefully justin trudeau lets them come across justin
0: do you think your your next kid i'd be the godfather for
1: no way jose <laughs> as he's holding a glass of wine barely coherent slipping into just wastedville maybe tim I maybe don't know. number eight Maybe number eight. Well, uh, gosh, I've, I think I've already duplicated a couple of the godparents. I'm like, can you do it again for this, please? <laughs> or is it running out of friends? All right, what else? I the- think that's good news. Montreal will be able to go across the border and play Colorado or Vegas. Very exciting. I don't think that'll be a long series, so it'll be a one trip. But it makes sense. You you have a private plane. You don't really get exposed to anybody. You get a bus, one driver, you go to the hotel. It's just silly, the stuff they say. It's like, well, we're going to keep them in their little bubble. It's like...
0: How about the coaches wearing masks on the bench? Stupid. Who is that for? Stupid. You spend all day and all week with these guys. It's, you don't leave them. It's so... I don't even want to get into
1: it because I've already been in trouble <laughs> with this whole thing. People get up in arms. If you're Ugh. vaccinated, you don't, you don't have to wear a mask. That's
0: especially, what the rule in Michigan is.
1: Especially on the, on the bench. Like you, you think he's going in the locker room and leaving the mask on when he sk- screams at these guys? <laughs> and you're in a mission. He's taking it out in the tunnel. He's ripping it off. It was funny after the Leafs beat the Canadians. We saw Mark Bergeron ripping through the tunnel in Toronto, just hugging everybody. And Kyle Dubas comes up, and Dubas has a mask on, and Bergeron just got no mask, hair flowing. Just like they don't wear the mask unless they're on TV. Like let's be honest, it's it's all for optics. It's all for show. They don't want to get fined. As soon as they get behind where the cameras can film. The masks are off. Like, it's just... They're all vaccinated now. There's no point to wear a mask. It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: All right. The last thing I want to touch on is just some of the uh, the nominees for the awards okay, yes. over the weekend. Very exciting. So, first was the Selkie for the best two-way forward. Uh, Bergeron for the 10th straight season. Yeah. Isn't that wild? No, it's not. He's an incredible player. But not even one year that in that whole stretch, he, was, he wasn't nominated. Uh, he's won five, which is a tie for the record. And uh, he's going to win one more in his career if it's not this year. Mark Stone. Hmm. And Barkov,
1: I think it's gonna be Barkov or Berger. I just don't like March Stone. As I know a person.
0: you
1: don't. We've had a run in a few times. I just don't like him on and off the ice. I think he's a turd. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we've talked to people who really like him.
0: Friend, I think he's gonna friend win of the it.
1: show. Uh, Matthew Kachuk likes him.
0: Yeah, or not Matthew Brady. Brady? Excuse me. Yeah.
1: You think Stone's gonna win? I do. Why?
0: Uh, just the highlights I've seen of his takeaways this year. And turning it directly into offense. So like he'll stick lift the guy in the neutral zone, turn back in terms of two on one. Like he's done it so many times. And I mean I mean all three of them do. It just seems like and maybe it's just my bias because I've just seen more clips of him doing it. But he's I, I think it's his turn. I think he, I think he's got it.
1: i here's the thing. If if you're going to the way I look at it, the way I vote for this award, if you're gonna pick a player to just play a whole game with sixty minutes, who are you gonna pick? Mark Stone or Patrice Bergeron? Bergeron exactly that's what I'm voting for he's the best all around player in the game that's I had an argument I would, there, there's a listener to this show I'm a friends friends with him Andrew Benson we had a conversation about the best player in hockey who's the best player in hockey if you're going to if you want to win one game which player do you take on your team
0: well my instinctual answer is McDavid you know
1: and that I think that's the obvious choice
0: it's a reflex but I
1: don't think that's a smart answer If you want to win one game, do you think McDavid has a better overall game than a a Kucherov?
0: I mean, see, I I wouldn't even go to Kucherov. If it's not McDavid, I'm going to a Bergeron type of player. But
1: I I feel like Kucherov has a higher offensive upside than Bergeron, so he compares compares closer to McDavid just based on stats, points, and he's pretty responsible in D-zone. Like, he, he doesn't get exposed. He doesn't you, – you saw McDavid in the playoffs. The turnovers he was committing were just egregious. Like, they, they cost him games. Yep. So, I don't know. We just got talking. It's like, who do you start in one game? I mean, who do you want? Do you want a, an Austin Matthews or do you want a guy like Ryan O'Reilly?
0: Yeah, well, let's think about like if you're an NHL coach. like Poll those guys and ask them who they pick, and they're not picking McDavid.
1: They're not picking McDavid or Austin Matthews or even Patrick Kane. They're not picking any of the top flight Ovechkin. I guarantee you those guys aren't in their top two or three picks. They're going after a very fundamentally sound player who they can trust.
0: Bergeron, Barkov... Those guys, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, not, he's so good. Not Mark Stone. <laughs> he's, he's on that list.
1: You can't trust a guy who. Yeah, his hair is like sideshow <laughs> bob. Can't trust him. <laughs> you can't trust him. I don't like him. I play with his brother in Arizona. Yeah, I just I just don't care for him. I've never had a bad experience. I just don't like him. But yeah, okay. I, I just think it's very interesting when you talk about the best player in the NHL and not the best scorer, not the fastest, not the most exciting. The best player.
0: So who's their answer?
1: Gosh, I think it's got to be Bergeron.
0: Wow. I mean, who's really going to argue that? Or
1: even a Brad Marchand.
0: You know what I mean? Like, who's going to try to say, like, oh, he's not the best all-around player?
1: Who's better for Boston, Brad Marchand or Patrice Bergeron? Bergeron. You think so? Yes. I think it's just so interesting that those two guys kill every single penalty. They're on the first (laughs) power play unit. They play all these hard minutes. And they really don't get the recognition of being superstars. Marchand's perpetually known as like a rat who has some skill. Bergeron's perpetually known as like a really good defensive forward. But they're so skilled offensively. They really are. So I just, uh, I don't know. I think those two guys would be top five for me if I'm picking like an ideal five-man unit. They're so good. Okay,
0: the next award.
1: Okay, sorry. I don't know what that, we got. Wrapping up uh, yeah. the Vesna,
0: Fleury, Grubauer, and Vasilevsky. No real surprises there. All three of those happen to be the, the top three goalies in wins. So that they're clearly looking at that as a big stat here. Um, any of them could win. I, I think Grubauer might be the guy just because of, of the shout outs he put out. Um, but I, there's no bad choices here.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's going to win. I, I don't think they like to give awards out. Bad. That's the thing with these awards, they're, they're so subjective. It's just based on who they think should get it this year. It's like, okay, well, yep. he won it last year. Let's give it to Grubauer. He's been good for a few years. He deserves it. It's not based on a single season of work.
0: What's the, ter- the story Turco told us where he was supposed to win the Vezina? And they said like, oh, we're giving it to someone else. It's, it's his turn this year. It's his year. turn. But if, you'll, you'll get it next. And he never yeah, did.
1: But if you look at the stats, Marty had like an unbelievable year. Yes. And they were just like, we got to give it to Brodeur or something.
0: Yeah, it was. It was Brodeur's first Vezina.
1: Yeah. And so he, he's waited his turn. Hashik has won a few. Wah had won a few. And it was yep. like, okay, it's, it's Broder's turn. And Marty had a great
0: season. Better season.
1: Yeah. And it's just that that's how it goes. It's like, okay, every award, mind you, the, obviously the MVP is pretty obvious. Like, I think we know Connor McDavid is going to win the MVP just on this season that he had. Yep. But it happens. It happens a lot with the Norris. It happens a lot with the Vesna because those decisions are pretty subjective. It's like, okay, well. This guy's got a lot of points, but this guy's got a lot of power play points. And he's got, you know, his plus rating is huge. And for goal, he's like, oh, he's on a good team. He's on a bad team, but he played well. His goal's against blah, blah, blah. There's so many stats you can kind of angle in any different argument. But I think Grubauer will get it. He's played well the last three, four years. It's his turn. turn. It's his turn. It's his turn. He doesn't have a Vesna. Vasilevsky has one. It is what it is, you know.
0: The last one I'll touch on uh, is the Calder, Rookie of the Year. Kaprizov. Robertson out of Dallas, and then that uh, Carolina goalie, Ned yeah, He's not even his. playing. He can't even
1: win the award when he doesn't even – he's not even the starter on Carolina.
0: Yeah, well, he lost it. I know. <laughs> I had this season, but, but I think Kaprizov's the guy.
1: Kaprizov's the guy. He's he's just made such an impact on Minnesota. I, that's the easiest one, I think, to say. Like, Kaprizov, <clears throat> excuse me. He's he's going to win that award, no problem.
0: Who did they play in the first round? Was that Vegas? Yes, they took yeah. him to seven. Yeah.
1: And he played really well. Him and Zuccarello yep. were a good line. If they could get a third guy for that line, they kind of shuffled around. Eric a good player. But then they had Rask on that line. They had a couple of different guys on that line. If they could have a solid guy who could just, you know, keep up with them, I think that would be a, a, a really dangerous line. Because Zuccarello, he's a good player. So is Capri. Capri-Sap.
0: Who would you rather have, Charlie Coyle or Marcus Foligno?
1: Marcus Foligno. Yeah. I don't know. Very similar type players. I think Marcus brings more to the table. He fights, he hits, he's more engaged in the game. He's been he had a great season. He did. Him and Greenway were really effective third line. They they got those guys complimenting each other really well. But I I would take Moose. His nickname is Moose, by the way. That's true. So That's a good point. he's got that going for him. I don't know. Anything else, Tim? As you just just eyeing up another glass. the guy's a lush, I'm telling you what. <laughs> Unbelievable! No, no response. Anything else, Tim? Can well, you read yeah, that I made, screen?
0: I told myself I wouldn't drink alone, just because it's a slippery slope. I told myself I, I wouldn't can't try. leave my apartment, so it's. Uh, I'm trying to not drink too much, but I knew you were coming over, so I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking alone. John's here. <laughs> the bottle's already
1: open when I said I'm coming over. All right, well, I, yeah, that's okay, Tim. Oh, what else we got? What that's we, it. That's it. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Go to hockeyfights.com. Check them out. We will be back on Wednesday. Cheers everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.